Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 through 18. When a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, they believe for a while, and in in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and is given to us in love. Well, good morning. When I was uh, seven years old, my brother, Kevin, and I found out that a neighbor had a new jungle gym set, and it was a cool set that had monkey bars that are about six feet up, and had a slide, had a rope swing, and so we decided we'd go over to our friend's house, and we'd play on the jungle gym set, and so we were playing, and I was on the slide, and my brother started going across the monkey bars, and all of a sudden, I heard a loud plop on the ground. And then I heard a loud scream. And I looked over and my brother's wrist was literally just hanging straight down. I panicked and started screaming for my mom and dad. And so they came running out of my friend's house. They swept up Kevin and they took him to the hospital. And then my friends took me back to my house. Well, hours later, Kevin and my mom and dad came home from the hospital, and he came in, and he was wearing this huge white cast. I looked at him, looked at the cast, began to cry, and ran out of the house. I was scared to death of his cast. Now, my dad quickly followed me, begged me to come back in. I was crying. I was scared of it. I wasn't going to have anything to do with that cast. I didn't know what they had done to him at the hospital. And my dad, 
in his very kind way, said, do you remember when you had your G.I. Joe? And you threw him off the couch, he fell, and he broke his arm, and it fell off. I said, yeah, I remember. And he said, what did mom do? Well, she took some, some glue, and she glued the arm back on. I said, yeah, that's right. And then what else did she do? Well, then she took some white cloth and wrapped it around the arm. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, did you play with the G.I. Joe during those days while the glue was drying? Yeah, I played with it. I touched it. It didn't bother me at all. He's like, well, that's like your brother's arm. It broke. Didn't come completely off. The doctors had to put some glue in. And then they had to wrap it with what we call a cast. And it's not going to hurt you just like your G.I. Joe didn't hurt you when you saw and touched the wrapping on that. I stopped crying, and they said, hey, let's go back in the house. And we went back into the house. Now, my dad did what many of you parents do all the time. He took a very complex idea, like a broken arm and surgery and all the things that went on in a cast, and he made it very simple in terms that a seven-year-old heart could hear And allow me to understand and not be afraid. Likewise, Jesus, knowing that we are like sheep with very limited understanding, often childlike understanding, he told stories, he told parables using common everyday items and practices to teach complex truths about God and his kingdom. The word parable in the Greek literally means truce thrown alongside the road so that we might know and understand. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at different parables of Jesus. And just as my dad's story helped me understand one truth about how a doctor can put my brother's arm back together, Jesus's parables are meant to teach one main principle so that we as children of God might grow in our understanding of who God is, what he has done, and what he is inviting us to be a part of. Now, it is very tempting when we look at parables to extrapolate out and have many different principles from them. But if we were to do that, we'd be violating Jesus's intention. His intention was always to teach One main idea, one main truth. And so this morning, we begin by looking at the parable of the sower and the seeds in Luke 8, verses 4 through 18. The setting of this parable is early in Jesus's ministry. Jesus has gathered the twelve and he's also performed many different miracles. And because of that, we learn that several women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, Follow Jesus. And then crowds had heard about Jesus and they began to follow him. Now, Jesus had previously taught that he not only had come to bring forgiveness for our sins, he also came to usher in the kingdom of God. This kingdom is the power of God in heaven, entering our world to bring healing in every sphere of human life. 
And when you enter God's kingdom, this power of God also enters you so that you too might be an agent of renewal and restoration in our world. So naturally, people were curious to know how do we enter the kingdom of God? Jesus answers that very simple question in this parable. And there's one principle that I want us to unpack this morning. And that one principle is the kingdom of God comes through hearing. So take notice of how you hear. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful that you are a kind and gracious Father. And that you sent your son Jesus. And he was kind enough to take very common everyday things that we're familiar with to teach us very complex truths about himself and about his kingdom. And so, Father, this morning we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So the one principle that I want us to think about is the kingdom of God comes through hearing. So take notice of how you hear. Now, there are really two parts to this principle. And I want us to look at the first one. The kingdom of God comes through hearing. And then we will unpack the second as we look at the different types of the soils. Now, the first, the kingdom of God comes through hearing. Now, we think of that, and and it's not that radical of an idea, but it really goes against everything that the earth, earthly minds have as far as establishing kingdoms. Because earthly kingdoms are established not through hearing, but through force and coercion. We see this in the conflict between Turkey and Syria right now. The president of Turkey sent 16,000 troops to create what they're calling a 20-mile buffer zone between the border and Syria. And the way they want to expand their kingdom is by literally slaughtering thousands of innocent men, women, and children. And while it's easy to think of that example and kind of condemn it, but we here in our democracy, we also build an earthly kingdom and establish a president every year through force and coercion. The person who gets the most electoral votes wins and is placed into power. And the 40 to 49 percent of Americans who did not vote for him or her must willingly submit to and support his or her new administration. We also see this with people like Mark Zuckerberg, who was on the Capitol this week. He uses money and status to lobby Congress so as to maintain his extremely powerful and influential social network. Zuckerberg went to Congress not to listen, but to use his voice to persuade and influence. But what we see in this parable this morning is that God's kingdom comes not by force or or coercion, but instead it comes to those who hear the word of God. Jesus uses the familiar language of farming 
to teach us to whom the kingdom of God comes and how the kingdom of God grows. He says the sower goes out to sow a seed. The seed is the word of God. It is the word of the kingdom. It is the good news of the gospel. And as the word is heard, understood, and planted in people's hearts, it begins to grow and take root, transforming us and empowering us to bring about God's upside-down kingdom. Not through coercion and force, but through a fragile seed that grows internally, producing a harvest. So often we, as followers of Christ, struggle with our faith because we believe that God's kingdom should come like an earthly kingdom. We want to transform the world through political parties or change the moral compass of society through the judiciary. And when these efforts fail, we become discouraged and start to question God's goodness and power. We see this struggle in John the Baptist. He is imprisoned and he's waiting execution. And he begins to question, is this how the kingdom of God is to come? Through his death and at the hands of a ruthless dictator? And so what does he do? He sends out word to Jesus in Matthew 11, asking whether or not he is the one who is to come. Or shall we look for someone else? Surely if Jesus Christ is the Messiah and his kingdom is at hand, John thinks, then he'll set me free and I won't have to suffer. But Jesus says to John the Baptist and to all of us who at time lose our way that the kingdom of God comes gently in the form of a seed. And a seed is vulnerable. It's small and the growth starts underground, unseen by the naked eye. Its growth is internal, not external, like the ways of the world. Seeking to build earthly kingdoms. It came through Jesus Christ's life, death and resurrection. In this parable, Jesus teaches us that the kingdom comes through the hearing of God's word. This is why the Greek word akou, which means to hear, is repeated seven times in this passage. Jesus doesn't want anyone to be mistaken. that entrance into the kingdom comes through hearing. In Luke 8, 18, he ends this passage saying, Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. The kingdom of God comes as we humans hear the word of God. The hearing is not by force or coercion. It is the gift of God. And so we, we see that the kingdom of God comes through hearing, which then brings us to the second part of the main principle of our parable, and that is, so to take notice of how you hear. In verse 9, the disciples asked Jesus to explain the parable. Jesus says to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, 
so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, I don't know about you, but as you read through the parable, you almost want to skip that verse because you're kind of like, I don't understand what Jesus is saying here. It can be very confusing. And there's been tons of debate through the centuries. Is Jesus here talking about the messianic secret, the fact that he didn't want people to know fully who he was so they would mistakenly make him a king in their image? Or is Jesus here talking about that there's some that he is going to save and others that he's not? I think to answer what Jesus is talking about here, we need to look at verses 16 and 17. And what we find that he isn't talking about the messianic secret and he's not talking about that some are not going to receive. If you look at verses 16 and 17, he says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not not be known and come to light. I believe Jesus is talking about the lamp and not hiding under a bed because he is saying that in verse 9 that God's kingdom is easy to miss. And as a result, many people will think that they have heard the truth and are a part of God's kingdom. But in actuality, they have not. And his desire is not to hide the truth, but to allow the truth to go out so that all might hear the good news of the kingdom of God. And so you might ask, how do I hear rightly so that I might participate in the kingdom of God? In the parable, Jesus offers three types of unhealthy soil, unhealthy hearing. And one type of good soil, healthy hearing. I want us to first look at the three types of unhealthy soil. And the first is that we need to beware of hearing the word of God with a hard heart. If you look at the text, Jesus says, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. Now this type of soil had been walked on so much that it was hard. If you've ever gone out to Al's Roost and walked the the bike paths, they're, they're hard because bikes have ridden over them and packed down the dirt and packed down the dirt. So much so that the soil cannot be penetrated by the seed. The seed can't penetrate the soil. This is representative of a person whose heart is hard. They've heard the word of God, but only in an academic and theoretical way, such that the word has not penetrated their heart. For this person, they keep a good distance between themselves and the word. They might think about how it applies to other people's lives, but they don't see how it affects their way of living. When I was at UNC as an undergrad, I started meeting with a guy who was a chemistry major, and he had come to InterVarsity, and he was curious about God's Word. 
And so I said, hey, let's, let's study the book of John together. And so we began to study the book of John. And every week we'd come and we'd open it up and we'd look at it. But what I began to see with my friend is that he really didn't want to hear it and how it applied to his life personally, though I kept asking and asking and asking. Instead, he, he kind of wanted to keep it out here and think of it as another kind of scientific theory that we kind of look at and dissect and be very objective. My friend's heart was hard. And so when the word fell on it, it didn't penetrate deeply. But instead, Satan came and snatched it away. Jesus says, beware of how you hear. Beware of hearing the word with a hard heart. But he doesn't stop there. He also goes on and says, beware of hearing with a shallow heart. Jesus says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. This type of soil is what I call shallow soil. The sower sows the seed and it falls to the ground. But when the troubles of life press on the person, their understanding is so emotionally based that they walk away. This person is the exact opposite of the person with a hard heart. This person isn't just hearing the word with his mind in a theoretical way. This person is hearing the word only through their heart and their emotions. I was a young life kid, and we would have outreach weekends, which were purposely, we'd, we'd bring our friends who didn't profess faith in Christ, and the goal of the whole weekend was to really winsome whimsically present the gospel and so I took my friends with me and we kind of went and young life is great and does many things wonderful and one of the things they do wonderful is they put on an incredible retreat I mean they had us we got there a bus landed at 11 p.m. and we were playing basketball until 1 p.m. and then we got up in the morning and it was fun and games and then we'd have throughout it talks sermons were given but it was kind of like this emotional high. And I remember that Saturday evening, my friend asking me to go for a walk with him. And I did. And he began to kind of talk about what he had, was hearing. And then he began crying and sharing about all the things he had done. And I, and I talked to him about God's forgiveness and God's love. And he was just flying high. You know, I want to believe. I, I want to follow this Christ. And the next morning we got up and he was so excited. And then for the next several weeks, he was so excited. And then his girlfriend broke up with him. And he wasn't excited anymore. And pain and hurt entered his heart. And this relationship with God, all the things that he had heard at camp, he began to question and eventually, he walked away completely. You see, his heart was shallow. His hearing was shallow. And when the word fell on it, he just experienced the word and heard it in an emotional way. But then when the test of the world and the pain in life came, it literally 
caused the word to vanish. The folks who hear from a shallow heart never really understand the word of the kingdom. They see Jesus as a genie who is there to take care of them and give them everything they want. And then when they begin to see that there is a cost to following Jesus. And it's not all about them and their relief. They walk away. If the Bible is merely an emotional experience that works as long as you are satisfied. But not worthy of following when the heat is turned up and there's no water. Then you're mostly like. Those who listen with a shallow heart. And as a result, seeing you may not see. And hearing you may not understand. And so Jesus, he he shows us to beware of a hard heart. To beware of a shallow heart. And then thirdly, he says, beware of hearing with a divided heart. Jesus says, a sower went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed, some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Now, with the first two groups, it's easy to tell that they're not followers of Christ. But with this third group, it's it's far more ambiguous. Because the seed does take root in their lives. So this third group might be followers of Jesus who simply have not matured. Because the thorns, which he later explains, are the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life have choked the seed in such a way that their fruit doesn't mature. Or they might not be followers of Christ at all. Tim Keller commenting on this passage says the point of highlighting this third type of soil is not to determine whether they are or not followers of Christ. Rather, Jesus mentions this third soil as a warning for those who have heard the word in such a way that they've seemingly committed their lives to Christ, but instead of surrendering to his lordship, they seek to share control with Christ. In short, they have a divided heart with divided loyalties. They are divided between their loyalty to Christ and their idolatry of wealth and the cares of this world. And as we read in Scripture, a divided house will not stand. Therefore, work, wealth, sex, and other pleasures of life choke out the word of God in such a way that these folks don't ever grow and mature in their faith. And so if you're listening to the word of God with a divided heart, then seeing you may not see and hearing you may not understand. So now that we've looked at the three warnings, a hard heart, hearing the word with a hard heart, hearing the word with a shallow heart, hearing the word with a divided heart. Jesus doesn't leave us there. He says, let's let's look. There's one good soil, one healthy way to hear the word of God. Jesus says, and some fell into the ground. And some fell into good soil. And grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said, these, the called out, he who hears, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. To help us understand the characteristics of those who have ears to hear, 
Jesus, when explaining the parable to his disciples, says in verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The good soil represents those who hear the word and and, and there's five characteristics that, that they do. First, they they hear the word. Secondly, they hold it fast, which literally means they love and cherish the word. We talked about this several weeks ago um, when I preached on Psalm 1, that the psalmist calls us to delight in the law of God. To hold it fast means to delight in it, to cherish it. So they hear the word, they delight in it, they cherish it. And then they let the word penetrate Not only their minds, but their hearts. Their hearts and their minds fully engage. And as the word penetrates their hearts and their minds, the Holy Spirit brings forth fruit. This hearing ultimately leads leads to a life of perseverance. One commentator sums it up this way. He says, hearing involves listening. But it also means understanding and being willing to obey. Impressed on the memory of every devout Jew were these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, as you think about this third way of hearing, you might be thinking, this is impossible. How do, how do I get my heart, my mind in a place that I can hear in this way? And the beauty of this parable is that Jesus speaks of our posture and the importance of coming to the word of God with ears to hear. He also assures us that he is the one who sows the seed. He is the divine gardener and he is the one who speaks and it is our role to receive the seed. And like any fine gardener, he will take out the thorns and the rocks. He will water it. And we simply are called to have a willing and open heart and mind to receive it. And so I wonder this morning, even as I am preaching right now, How is your hearing? Are you hearing the word this morning with a hard heart? Is everything I've just said in this parable fallen on the ground? And then it's gone. You're already thinking about lunch. You've checked out. Are you hearing the word this morning from a shallow heart? You're thinking, gosh, those illustrations were not moving enough. This parable is not emotionally engaging enough. And I'm not feeling it this morning. And therefore, it's gone. Are you hearing it this morning from a divided heart? You're thinking about work and wealth and what you can do this afternoon and NFL football games or whatever. Other things. And so you're kind of like, yeah, I I hear you, but eh. You know, take it or leave it. Or are you listening to Jesus's words this morning 
with a surrendered heart, letting the Holy Spirit have his way with you and I today. The kingdom of God comes through hearing. So take notice of how you hear. This is a challenge for all of us. Every day of our lives, every time we open God's word, to ask God to give us ears to hear. And if our hearts are hard to melt them, if our hearts are shallow to ground us, if our hearts are divided to call us to repent of our idolatry so that we might fully obey and surrender to his lordship. So that our hearts, when they hear the living word. As Mary Lou prayed, it will not go out and come back void, but it will take root in our lives. It will grow. And as it grows in our hearts, the kingdom of God grows. And then we go out And we share the good news of Christ with others. And I would say to you and I, as we go, pray for those who we share the good word of the gospel with. Pray that they might have ears to hear. Pray that God might work in their hearts and minds so that they might receive. My hope is over the next weeks that the Holy Spirit through each of these parables will teach us one main idea and in so doing transform our hearts and minds and make us more like Jesus so that we are a light that we don't hide underneath the bed but instead that we we shine in our schools, in our work, in our neighborhoods, in our families, with our friends. So that Jesus Christ might be lifted up and that he might be glorified. Amen.